everybody. Welcome to today's episode of Party Like a Marketer. I'm your host, Lisa Buffo, founder and CEO of the Cannabis Marketing Association. I can't wait to see all of you at this year's Cannabis Marketing Summit, June 21st through 23rd in Denver, Colorado. For two and a half days of cannabis networking, best practices from the top marketing and communications professionals at the peak of summer in Denver, Colorado. We've got a brand and retail pop-up, a rooftop after party, solo sessions, workshops, and all food and non-alcoholic beverages are included. Further, we're launching our CMA Sevens Awards, Cannabis Marketing Awards, focused on awarding excellence in effective and authentic marketing that advances the image of cannabis. All marketers who have a ticket to the summit get a free entry to the CMA 7s, and the award show happens on Friday, June 23rd at lunch at the summit. Today's conversation features Andy Gonzalez, marketing account executive of Town Square Media. Andy is an experienced media and marketing professional with a passion for the cannabis industry. And over the course of his career, he has worked with a diverse range of clients in the cannabis space, including dispensaries, growers, and manufacturers. He's skilled in developing comprehensive marketing strategies that leverage a variety of channels, including broadcast radio, digital media, social media, and events to help clients build brand recognition and attract new customers. Okay, welcome everybody to today's episode of Party Like a Marketer. Today's guest is Andy Gonzalez of Town Square Media. Andy, thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely glad to be here. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into cannabis marketing, your background, and what it is that you do at Town Square? Absolutely. Yes. Um, so with marketing in general, I've been doing that now for about five, six years um, and through various roles, you know, working with startups as a director of marketing, you know, social media management, stuff of that nature. Um, and basically cannabis, it kind of came into the, the play, you know, a few years back when I had took on a job as a brand ambassador. So actually working with a brand, you know, in dispensaries, working with clients, um, you know, kind of fast forward a little bit further down the road. I ended up uh, working with Town Square Media, which is the third largest media company. We have 74 markets where radio stations are throughout the U.S., and one of the main focuses is sensitive categories. So cannabis and marketing is something that I do on the day-to-day. And uh, I love the fact that I have that like in-person experience working with the actual dispensary owners and brands as well. So a little bit about kind of me. I like how you call it a sensitive category. I've never heard it referred to it as that way. Um, what are some other, what else falls into sensitive category? So sensitive categories consist of anything that has to do with, like, let's say, gambling, um, political, uh, anything to do with medical. Um, all of those are going to fall into sensitive categories. And of course, you know, alcohol, drugs, things of that nature are as well. Anything that's federally regulated typically will be considered a sensitive category. Okay, that makes sense. Um, and then tell us a little bit more about Town Square. You said it's one of the largest media companies. Like, I, I know, what does that mean? What does that mean? So what does that mean? Yeah, absolutely. So our assets include uh, clusters of radio stations throughout the U.S. Um, like I said, we're in 74 markets. And typically what we focus on is the small business owner. We're in the mid to small size markets. And we focus on full funnel marketing. So we go through all channels. Um, one branch of the company is called Town Square 
Interactive, which focuses on website design and SEO optimization. And then from there, we go to our Town Square <laughs> um, Ignite division, which is strictly programmatic audio, social media, um, you know, programmatic advertising, whether it's display video, um, OTP, which is going to be your connected TV, um, all those digital tactics would fall under that division. Uh, and then we also have our lives event division, where we put on uh, local events for, you know, in our communities, wherever those radio stations are located, we go out there and we work with, um, whether it be a brand or a specific type of uh, pods, we back it up and we help produce the events as well. And I want to talk about events, but let's first talk about radio. Because we actually haven't talked about radio on this show yet. And um, I think there's a lot of confusion around it in the cannabis industry, but also like, is it a viable marketing channel? Like who still listens to radio and what is that? How does that fit into the marketing mix for cannabis businesses? Can you talk about kind of the state of radio yeah. in yeah, general, absolutely. but then in context to cannabis as well? Yes, Absolutely. Uh, so radio in general actually is, you know, one of the largest mediums that you can reach an audience. Um, as of right now, when we're looking at statistics, our reach with radio has actually surpassed regular network television. As you know, with the wars going on right now with cable cutters, uh, that audience has now, um, you know, dwindled down. And so radio still has about 86% um, capturing audience wherever that market is located. Um, great awareness tactic, and also just a way to stand out wherever you are there in the local community. Um, I've seen, you know, a lot of brands that still use radio, and it it does drive traffic. It also does, uh, you know, just make that differentiator fact that you're on a local station. You have that local tie to the community. And when you say eighty six percent of the market, is that like people who have cars? Is it just people that's, who live there, like who I, I'm a cable cutter. So I'm like, who, who is that? Yeah. So that's going to be your major demographics. So like 18 to 50 years old um, with radio broadcast radio, we're actually tying into 86% of that market share. So there's still a, a lot of audiences that are, you know, traveling, um, you know, and they, they still engage in radio. So it's, it still is a viable source. Okay. Interesting. And I do like the, so let's talk about that for cannabis businesses. Like what are cannabis companies, I'm guessing dispensaries in particular would be a fit for radio. Um, and I think you've got a good point. And we talk about this on the show and at CMA a lot about how it's important to know your customer, but of course your local community um, and with retailers, it is all about who's around you. It's your local community and getting plugged in with that. Um, so they often have different marketing strategies than brands or really other folks in the space because they're so hyper local. So what have you seen cannabis companies do on radio? Um, what is effective and what are some best practices for those who might be considering it? Absolutely. Well, we still are, you know, have to abide by the general regulations. So one of the things that we can't do on radio is target anyone under the age of 21. Uh, it has to be very specific to that. Uh, the copy just can't mention anything of like any type of therapeutic, you know, results or anything like that. Because the FDA, of course, doesn't allow that. 
Um, and other than that, I mean, you can talk about what it is you have a little bit about the product. You just can't uh, make any claims, you know, like this is going to kill your, your illness or anything like that. Uh, we've ran, you know, quite a bit of campaigns where um, we were focusing on like a specific time event for a dispensary. Let's say they were engaging like in a, a 420 celebration or, or something of that nature. And how we typically work, which is a little bit different than like your average agency as a media company, and this is something I forgot to mention, is we actually are a, a publisher. We're one of the largest publishers um, throughout all of our brands. We have a website, you know, our local DJs, they produce three um, articles a day, and that gets all, you know, put out into the community. So one of the differentiating facts uh, factors that we have is we're able to utilize our assets. So what, what I mean by that is with each station, you have a website. You also have an app. You also have a Facebook page. And so what I've worked with brands in the past, you know, we, we kind of target it in two different separate ways. We are putting them on air, but we're also utilizing, you know, our websites and our inventory to get that message out in a creative way. So whether it's a display ad or an actual site takeover, we're taking over the skin of the website. Uh, those are abilities that we have that, that aren't traditionally available in the market. I see. So it's publishing and um, out, like outbound marketing, for lack of a better word, that you guys are able to do as far as programmatic, SEO, um, radio, things like that. Correct. Cool. Okay. Um, okay. And then have you seen any specific like results for cannabis company on radio? Like, how do you track that? Do I'm guessing, um, and you're based in Colorado, which we probably should have mentioned. You guys are in, um, Fort Collins and work with right. a lot of businesses in the front range. Um, but like, what, what are those best practices for cannabis businesses when they approach a radio? Like, how are they able to kind of measure success there? Um, and then do you target like within a super local radio station? Is it throughout the state? How, how does that work? Okay, perfect. Yes. So our stations are set up to where they virtually range from Denver all the way to Cheyenne. Uh, we have five different brands. Um, the way that we measure this is really unique. And, and I like the way it works is we're able to put a pixel on the backside of the website and we tie that into our analytics. So when the actual spot airs, what we do is we try to measure like within a certain amount of minutes, did that customer or did we see a spike in traffic on the website? So with that being said, we kind of look back as we're running these ads and we're you know doing certain day parts, whether that be the AM drive, midday drive, or even you know an evening drive. Sometimes the weekends might be better. We go back and we're able to kind of break down that data and see, okay, we ran a Thursday spot at midday and we saw that that, you know, increased maybe four or five visitors that came to the site during that time frame that normally aren't, we're not seeing that traffic. So then we could come back and say, okay, uh, advertiser, Mr. Customer, uh, dispensary owner, uh, we're seeing a, a more effective reach during this specific day part. How about we, you know, spend more budget on, on those timeframes versus just scattering it out or doing like a broad rotation? I see. So it's like a timing consideration that's typically yeah that's typically how we measure it yep we look at the pixel through the website traffic which is tied into our town square analytics we're able to you know like i said measure that uh traffic when that 
commercial actually aired, when the spot aired, did we see, you know, so many customers go to the website and we can kind of gauge response with that aspect. And I'm guessing you probably do it around like, is the best commuting times morning, you know, early morning, later afternoon, um, lunch, like what, what's considered ideal radio windows? So typically how I build a, a schedule is first, what we look at as we look at your demographic, right? Um, who's your ideal customer? Are you going after medical cannabis um, consumers? Or are you going after retail recreational consumers? And then from there, I would match and, you know, depending on what genre or what type of radio station we have, we would then go in there and we would look at the high traffic times, right? When we see the most listeners that are actually on air, they're not on air, but they're, they're listening at that time. And from there, what we'll do is we'll schedule, you know, basically a certain amount of spots. Now, the way radio works, as you all know, with marketing, it's all about reaching frequency, right? Reaching the right people, the right amount of times. So typically, like in a two-week period, I wouldn't run anything lower than about 40 spots, and I would uh, strategically stagger those spots to make sure we're hitting the right people at the right time. And a spot is like a 30-second commercial or something that you, like a commercial so, you hear on radio. So ad copy uh, with radio is, is broken down to three different options. You have a 15-second spot. You also have a 30 second spot and then a 60 second spot. So those are gonna be your three options. What we've found you know, through data and research is the longer the commercial, the less attention that you kind of grab. So I've seen the most success with 15 second and 30 second spots. Now, if it's Makes for a sense. specific event where you wanna give out a lot of information, then I would definitely recommend going with the 60 second spot. That makes sense. Yeah, and it's almost like if you're gonna to go to the website, you wanna leave them with something a question you want to leave them with something to think about so they're going to go oh let me look that up and learn more as opposed to just like okay i heard the whole pitch i'll make this decision later um yeah that makes sense okay so anything else you want to say about radio we haven't talked about yeah this radio in general with with cannabis is unique right um so if you're a, a brand let's say that's in you know five or six different states that's great and all, and your brand awareness needs to be at a local level. So I would recommend if it's anyone that's, you know, in like a smaller community or even a larger segment, I would recommend radio as a, a great awareness tactic that kind of keeps you as a differentiating factor. There's not a, a whole ton of people that are getting onto radio and uh, using that. So if you have the budget available and you are using other tactics on top of radio, it, it, it does make a good fit. And we've seen success when you're layering in digital on top of radio. Can, can we talk about that a little bit? One, budget, like how, what does radio cost in relation to um, other marketing channels? Um, and then I want to talk a little bit about digital and how like the layered approach works. Because as we know, cannabis marketers are fighting for really small budgets. So like, what is the, or they're fighting, yeah, they just, they have small budgets. So like, what's, um, what does, what does a typical spot cost? Like, how, how should they think about that? Absolutely. Um, so as you all know, with radio, it works on a couple of different things. Um, inventory has a lot to do with it, right? When it comes to rates, it's, it's on availability. So during certain seasons, you know, political seasons, things of that nature, rates may go up a little bit. 
Um, and also, you know, rankings play a, a little part into that as well. You know, how many people are we reaching? You know, how many listeners are on at this specific time? That all plays into the actual rate. And rates can range, you know, anywhere from, you know, 15 to $20 a spot all the way up to $40, $65 a spot. It really just depends on the market you're in and how many spots that you actually want to run. And like I said, you know, 20 to 40 in a two-week period is, is where you want to be, you know, definitely. That makes sense. Um, okay. So can we talk about radio and, I mean, really, this is a bigger conversation about marketing, but also you were saying it's more effective when you layer in digital um, and programmatic and SEO and some of these other things on top of that. So we, we know that's an omni-channel strategy. Um, I want to talk about that. Well, let's talk about that first and then I'll kind of back into events because I did find it interesting how you said um, if you do it over a two or three week period, like how do you pick that? Is it around a uh, promotion maybe you've got going on or an event that you're hosting or uh, something like 420 where, you know, you want to do the few weeks around that? Like how do you, can you talk about that first actually and then we'll layer in the other channels? Absolutely. Yes. So, I mean, you can run a schedule, you know, for a whole month if you want. I recommend doing it like two uh, to three weeks out of the month and usually staggering those either first or second part of the month. So either the first part or second part. Um, and what that does is it, you know, it changes the way that the message is coming through, right? It's at a different day part. So you want to make sure you're hitting everybody. Uh, another thing that we always try to focus on is if we have a long-term client that's running radio for us consistently, is we try to change up ad copy. There is some type of fatigue, you know, I don't know if you've experienced it, but when you've seen that ad or heard that ad multiple times, after a while, you kind of try to, you know, block it out. And so what we try to do is make sure that we're keeping that fresh content, we're doing call to actions on those ad copies, and that they run for a specific amount of time. Now, if you're shooting for an event, we always want to give ourselves at least two to three weeks prior to when you start promoting that event. So if you're doing a campaign, let's say for a 420 uh, celebration, you, you want to get ahead of it and start running your radio before you actually launch that campaign. So that way it's already out. It's, it's the name's out there. People are hearing it. And then when they get hit from these other channels, they're starting to recollate that we've already heard that. Okay, cool. And then how does that, so let's talk about the digital component. When you said you see more success when you layer in programmatic um, in some of these other strategies, what does that mean? And how do you do that? Because I think particularly from a programmatic standpoint, um, there's a lot of confusion around what it is and how it can help a business and how it factors into the marketing mix. So can you like give some context as to what programmatic is for you and how we would tie it to something like a radio campaign? Absolutely. Um, so working with clients in the past, uh, when we were able to you know, bring on radio, they had a budget where we were able to allocate to radio and digital. Uh, the way we, we do it, because we're limited with regulations, as you know, we can only hit 21 and over. Um, we do programmatic advertising and I break it down into three tactics. The first tactic is called advanced audience target. So that's when you can specifically go after like an age group, or you know, a male, female, whatever that type is. And then you can also go and look at like buyer's intent, uh, behaviors, 
things of that nature. If someone that's interested, you know, in, in like wellness or medicine, we can target those people. Um, I would also like layer that in with a geofencing called hyperlocal mobile. And what that is able to do is hit specific areas. So if you want to go after, let's say, let's say a competitor and you're right next to another dispensary, you know, you can hit digital ads and send those into the other dispensary and still, you know, engage with customers. Um, and then from there, you know, keyword targeting, it's huge. Um, we're able to go in and, and uh, display a creative ad, whether that's uh, an image or a video, and we're able to go in there and uh, when someone's online and they're searching, we can put that ad in front of them as well. So it's a three-pronged approach. When I've seen the most success um, is having those different attributes and programming the campaign, which is programmatic audio, I mean, programmatic advertising, right? Programmatic digital is programming that campaign to hit the exact audience you want to hit. So we can get very granular, granular and hit specific people versus just spray and pray, right? Um, and so when you layer that in on top of radio and it's all in the same area, then you're hitting that customer three, four, five different ways. Um, overall, we do see you know, a return on investment on that. And when you work with cannabis companies, what, how do they approach you? Like, are, do they say, we want women 35 to 44, or we want those who are like medical consumers? Like how, how specific are they getting and what is that conversation? Absolutely. So every process that we, when we work with the client, we first do what's called a CNA. It's a customer needs analysis. So what we try to do is really understand the brand, right? Um, what type of dispensary is this? Is this a location that is specific to just medical, CBD, or is it CBD with THC? How does that look? Because as you know, regulations of CBD are a little bit more lax and there is more opportunity there. So we have to differentiate what is their specific product, who their target audience is, um, and where, where they live. And, and what I do personally is I do a lot of market research. I go into the specific community that they're in and we look at the cum, right? What is this market made out of? Where do people shop? You know, how are people consuming media? Is that on social media? Is it through all these other channels? And then from there, with what we have available, we make those recommendations. So it's a very uh, you know, in-depth conversation that we have to get it started. And it, and it can vary. You know, it could be something that's just straight recreational or it could be something that's medical and we're going after like the older uh, you know, age group where we don't really want to hit younger age groups. So it, it's all dependent on their specific needs. Okay, that makes sense. Um, anything else you want to add about that before we talk about live events? So yeah, so when cannabis companies normally you know, approach or look for our assistance, they're trying to find different avenues that they have either not been able to prove that it's successful or they just don't have the knowledge on how to do it at all. So, you know, they come to us and the way that process looks like is before we can uh, actively run a campaign, we take that project and we take it through our legal counsel and we have, you know, our internal team look at it, review it, uh, make sure that we're in guidelines. As you know, every state has their own regulations. So we make sure that we're on top of that. Um, the setup process, you know, we can take on the creative, but the client has their personal creative, you know, they, they bring it through, it still goes through legal, but then we get that process approved. 
and we begin to launch the campaign. The way it works throughout the campaign is we're looking for you know, optimizations when we do reporting meetings. So at the end of every month, we sit down with the client, we go over what's performing well, what can use improvement and where to shift budget. We need to put budget more into keyword targeting versus let's say radio or uh, just regular display ads. We then make that decision with the client and kind of guide them, hey, look, this makes more sense because we're seeing a better, uh, you know, result with this specific tactic. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, and I think it's a good point that you mentioned about having your own internal legal team, because cannabis companies, you know, they have lawyers, but they're expensive to work with. And I think when you need to talk with them about every single marketing campaign that can like eat your budget. So it's nice to be able to partner with um, someone that is doing that for you that you can trust. Um, particularly if you're running bigger campaigns that have longer timeframes. Um, and to that point, do you then work with brands that may be national where they're in a few different states and they're running radio spots or programmatic in a few different states with you? Absolutely. So we do have clients, like I said, we're in 74 different markets. So with that being said, we're kind of spread out throughout the entire U.S., um, and when and you say markets, is that like major metropolitan areas, like cities? They're going to be small to mid-sized markets. So, for instance, we're out of the DMA of Denver, but we're in Fort Collins. So, down in Texas, like Tyler, Texas, is one of our other markets. Uh, you know, they're they're a little small, smaller outside of bigger metropolitan markets. I see. And one of the things that we've actually, you know, brought to a client in the past was doing a type of co-op deal i guess you can call it uh not necessarily co-op but it's where like a producer or a brand like let's say it's a vape company or even just a specific product that a dispensary owner carries in their dispensary what they did is basically split split that budget in half so the product the producer the one that's you know supplying the product splits half the budget with the actual dispensary and so we've worked together to drive traffic and then kind of split that cost, right? We have your product in our dispensary. We're selling it. But we also want to advertise both benefit from that. And so that's kind of how that works. Um, it's, a, it's a cool model of trying to save money. You know, you can work on a project with multiple different vendors and uh, not have to put up that full cost. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, that goes with a lot of what we've seen um, in the cannabis industry too, where I think like brands and retailers will, will work together and they, these like co-marketing partnerships um, can be really helpful when you, you are partnering with someone who has a very similar goal, if not the same goal. And it's mutually win-win. It allows you to split cost, And, um, you know, like we even see it with billboards in some places where it's like, go to this retailer and buy these products. And it allows them to split the cost, but also get the same message and the same um, goal accomplished. So I like how that uh, speaks to that more broadly. Absolutely. Cool. Okay. Um, well, I do want to talk about events because I think that events are back. Yay. I know it's been like a year and a half technically, but it still is like great that we can do them again and um, that we had so long where we couldn't. Um, and I think events are something the cannabis industry leans on very heavily because they are, well, when it comes to any type of product, it's, it's helpful to be able to see it, touch it, understand it. 
um, but also build that trust. And I think when you have an in-person touch point and you see a display or you're talking to a rep, it's just different in person than on the phone or over Zoom. Um, and it's also, I think in some ways, a lot easier when you're at an event where it's this like mutual ground versus like in a store or, you know, somewhere else. Um, so can you talk to me about like the role that events play in the marketing mix and specifically how you utilize them either for clients or on behalf of town square? Cause I know you use it as a marketing, um, avenue for your business, um, and your B2B and, what we have found in our research is that cannabis marketing is both B2B and B2C. If you're a brand, you have to market to retailers and get into retail shelves, but you also have to connect with your audience and make sure that there are customers out there going into said retailer and purchasing your product. So B2B and B2C are very different strategies, but I think events can play in nicely to both of that. Um, and it's just a you know business strategy in general. So how do you leverage events as yourself at Town Square, but also how do you see cannabis businesses using them? Absolutely. Uh, so the main event, you know, model mix up is, you know, where you're getting revenue from. But ultimately, like you said, it's really building that that trust and that, you know, interest where, you know, the client can see the face of the actual brand. Um, one of the things that we deal a lot with is sponsorships, right? And that's getting that that name up there, um, whether it's you know for a specific type of event, whether it's like a, a learn event or it's a an actual music festival, um, giving a a brand that's in cannabis the ability to be able to just put their name on you know where thousands of people are going to see this um, has proven to be effective. Um, when you also layer in other things, right? So with events like by themselves they're great and i think that they do accomplish quite a bit but i also think that you got to be strategic on the way that you plan that out uh, let me give you a quick example so we, we did have a, a pretty large event where we had a client come in and they were sponsoring like a specific signage uh for like an entry of an event right uh they came in and and they knew they were going to be there so while the event was actually running they also did programmatic ads so these people were on their phones uploading, you know, social media pictures as well. And so they were getting hit with an ad and then they're also seeing the face. And so it's more familiarity, I think, than anything. Um, it's an awareness play, obviously. But I have seen, you know, when when people invest and they spend that time, that a lot of relationships are built out of events, strong relationships, you know, that last and turn into multiple other opportunities. So definitely rec recommend them if you, if you have the ability to get in it even if it's just a smaller event, I mean, that extra uh, channel is is really great if you're trying to grow your brand. Yeah, and I think with events, like one thing we see in the cannabis industry, I mean, we've got our upcoming Cannabis Marketing Summit, um, June 21st through 23rd, shameless plug for everybody in Denver. Um, there, There's also like the event circuit where, you know, you've got the events you go to, you keep going back to them, but it allows you to have touch points throughout the year with people and build a relationship. And it takes some of the pressure off too, of being like, oh, I've got two days to make this happen. Like you get to, it's almost the same in person as it is digitally where you need multiple touch points to build that trust, to build that understanding, to have those conversations. So if you can have that, um, it allows you to like get to your goal faster and also be open to new ideas and new people 
um, that, you know, is just, again, much harder to do when you're not out there in the field. Absolutely. Speaking a little bit more on events, um, another tactic that you guys can kind of play into is giving a call to action or a follow-up. So sometimes on a sign, you might put like a QR code, right? If you're just trying to advertise the brand, that's great. But if you can give them some type of incentive or some way to kind of research you or even go to the website, then we've seen even more uh, conversion, you know, along those lines. So um, just an idea, you know, with that. Yes. Um, and have you seen, like, tell us about the different events that you go to. Um, I know we've talked about this a little bit. They're not necessarily cannabis specific, but like, what are the different events you go to and how do you see them um, working for this industry? Yeah, absolutely. So me personally and with our company, I mean, I, I go to multiple events throughout the year. Um, music festivals are huge, uh, especially with cannabis. Like music goes very well. Art festivals are also huge. If you get a cannabis sponsor into one of those, I mean, it's great because it also plays on that like creative side of things. Um, educational um, expos just got recently back from the NOCO Hemp Expo, which was down in Colorado Springs, which was really a great event just to kind of get out there and, and mingle and learn more about, you know, all the things that are in the industry. So whether you're trying to, you know, engage in, in education or fun and entertainment, like there is so much opportunity and you'd be surprised. I mean, prices sometimes aren't as significant as you think they are. It depends on the person that's actually coordinating the event, how big the company is. Um, some events are put on for nonprofit as well or for a specific cause. So there's multiple ways to tie in your brand and give that humanized, like local touch to it, right? It's showing that not only do you guys support the local community, but you believe in whatever's going on, whatever that may be. Yes, and I think too, for cannabis um, companies, like you're saying, when you intersect with some of these other um, non-cannabis specific, whether it's music or art, but it's complimentary, you're unexpected. So it's kind of the point of that, um, keeping it fresh and almost that element of surprise when you were talking about, oh, changing up the ad copy, like that's great. And you definitely want to do that. But also like, where can you be where someone's going to be surprised and happy to see you? And it's going to be complimentary or different or out of the box, um, as opposed to just like what you expect to see on, you know, like when you watch TV and you see commercials, you're like, I was expecting that. Or, you know, it's you get your attention gets caught and that is such valuable time when you do something a little bit different, a little more creative. And I think being at these types of events um, can play into that and has really unlimited opportunity. I know we've seen um, in Colorado, there are events for, there's like a lot for the outdoor industry, which is also quite complex. Like I would put it in that same bucket as complimentary to music and art and like outdoor festivals, like the, that whole outdoor culture is very, Colorado, um, which is the Colorado resident, the cannabis consumer, like there's so much overlap there. So there's different ways to um, engage with the community that isn't always have to be in a cannabis specific way, but does like help from a marketing perspective. Um, and you can always test it out, right? And like if it, and when you're in person, you can do things like those lead gen forms, you can capture business cards, you can, um, depending give out products or sample, not necessarily THC if you're 
cannabis directly, but you can do t-shirts or swag bags or coupons or things like that, um, that do allow you to sort of attribute that ROI and get that name out there, but also like generate sales. Absolutely. And, you know, speaking a little bit more on that, uh, you know, one of the things that I see a lot of clients do is while they're at these events, they are using a, Q, a QR code to do like a, a lead gen form. And then with that information, that email address is so valuable. Uh, they turn that into an email campaign, you know, and then tie it into a push notification campaign. I mean, it's endless. You know, one event, if you do it right, you really can capture a whole lot more about your consumer, you know, do a survey, you know, when you're talking with people, you know, what products do you prefer most? Uh, and then just kind of use it as a learning experience to really understand the customer. And then from there, use that uh, data to follow up and create, you know, more and more interest, give them incentives, call to actions, things that, that would drive that customer into the actual um, store or to your website, whatever you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, I agree. Um, I want to ask about some specific advice that you have for marketers. I know when you work in a role like this, you get to see lots of different campaigns. You get to see what works, what doesn't, um, and which I think is like very cool about a position like yours, where you actually work for the company and see, you know, what works for different, uh, what different types of campaigns work for different types of clients. What's been more successful? What hasn't? So, what would your advice be to cannabis marketers who might be considering either earlier on um, in their kind of marketing journey, or who are considering doing um, this type of like omni-channel campaign where they're utilizing different strategies, either with one company or throughout multiple? Absolutely. Uh, so as I think back, I think the, the biggest hindrance that I've found a lot of these campaigns is all where your online presence is. So what I mean by that is the website, the SEO. Um, the way those are set up are extremely important, especially when it comes to ad creatives. Sometimes, you know, you might get approved to run an ad, but when you go through and then the website is saying something that's not in alignment with regulations, those things can prevent or shut down the campaign altogether. So one of the pieces of advice that I would definitely recommend, and I think it's something that kind of gets overlooked, is really digging down deep to create a website that's not only SEO optimized and has the metadata to be able to you know, locate you and find exactly what it is that you have, but also to make sure that that uh, website isn't leaning too far to one way or the other, where it's going to interfere with the campaign that you're running. So that's definitely a, a piece of advice that I would recommend if you're looking at you know, how doing, would it do that? Like, how would it interfere with a campaign you're running? Like, what, what's an example of that that you've seen? A lot of it would be just specific. I would say, you know, like I said, within the requirements, you can't make any claims. Uh, so as long as you're following those guidelines and you're not, you know, making a, a creative look too kiddish or like it's targeting young people, uh, things of that nature. Um, Google looks at, I'm not, sorry, not Google, but um, different platforms where we're running programmatic ads, they look at that. And if it's too bright or it gives too much information that's kind of persuading a certain audience, they will, they'll shut it down. 
Okay. So like from a compliance perspective. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. That makes sense. Um, and then what are you most excited about for the future of the cannabis industry and cannabis marketing? I'm, you know, I'm really excited. I mean, as you all know, you know, Twitter started laxing their uh, regulations back in January. You know, Google also opened up to the CBD and things of that nature. I think with this big shift that's happened within the economy and the marketplace, uh, a lot of companies are going to start entertaining and uh, allowing more things to come through the funnel. Um, the regulations, of course, are going to change. But what excites me most is going to be, you know, the e-com portion of the business and how that all unfolds. Because, I mean, that's a, a piece that you definitely want to play into your marketing strategy because you can use data from all of that and then kind of target. So you want it to, you know, really focus on on what type of sales you're, you're getting through e-com and then you can use your other tactics to kind of tie that back around. So I would say, you know, regulations federally, when, when that gets to that point, I don't know how far that out is, but eventually it's going to happen, you know. And uh, so I'm excited about that and giving, you know, everybody a fair shot. Like for so, so many, you know, years, cannabis, you know, we're, we're, they're all business owners. Everyone's trying to make a living and it just doesn't feel like it's a fair, you know, playing field, which is unfortunate. And I feel like a lot of uh, things are coming down the pipe. It's going to be good. Yeah, very much so. It, it, there's a, a lot that cannabis businesses are up against. Um, I saw they reintroduced safe banking. 280E needs to be addressed. We talk about that a lot, about how your marketing expenses aren't write-offs um, or they're, they're not deductible, um, which is just like wild and unheard of in any other um, industry or space because you're not being treated as a legitimate business because that is part of the cost of doing business and getting your product and service out there. So with 280E, it makes it really hard to um, have any budget. Yeah, and that's that's understandable. And so, you know, some of the, the things that we try to do is, you know, start off small and then and then scale your way up. You know, doing test campaigns are greatly beneficial. You can learn from them um, and then grow that campaign out from there. Yep, very much so. Um, anything else you want to mention as far as radio advertising, programmatic um, that we haven't touched on today? Yeah, so the last thing I just wanted to kind of uh, explain the difference between uh, a regular agency and a media company like, like Town Square. Um, Town Square is, is full service. So whether you're looking for a website that needs to be created, launched, and optimized for SEO, or whether you're looking for radio, whether you're looking for events, whether you're looking for programmatic advertising, social media postings, things of that nature. I mean, we, we do it all. Uh, we also work with a lot of uh, other agencies. So we do partnerships, we do white label situations where we'll do the work for you. And then, you know, we'll put your name on it and get those reports to, you know, your client with your name on it, uh, things like that. And, and, you know, of course, cost. Cost is gonna be a big part of that as well versus, you know, going directly to a vendor uh, media vendor like us versus hiring someone that's going to have to go through that same path to purchase media is, is something to take into consideration as well. Does, um, 
is it what's the most cost effective solution? It just depends. It just depends on your situation. I've worked directly with clients and then I've worked with clients that prefer me to go directly to their agency. I think you said you approach clients and meet them where they're at. That is correct. Yep. Cool. Okay. Well, Andy, is there any contact information you want to share? Website, social handles? How can our listeners um, get a hold of you if they want to learn more? Absolutely. So I can be reached direct. Uh, best you know, method of contact for me is going to be uh, either email or phone. Could also be reached on LinkedIn for my contact. Uh, you can reach me at 970-308-1981. My email address is going to be Andy. That's A-N-D-Y dot Gonzalez, G-O-N-Z-A-L-E-S at townsquaremedia.com. And you can find me on LinkedIn, Andy Gonzalez. I think you're the first uh, guest to give a phone number. Hey, we still use it. That's awesome. <laughs> okay, well, Andy, thank you so much for taking time to be on the show today. We'll, um, we'll share that contact information in the link in the show description. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing you at the Cannabis Marketing Summit next month. Definitely looking forward to it as well. Thank, awesome. Thanks, everybody. All right. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. We'll see you next week, and we'll see you in June at the Cannabis Marketing Summit. Get your tickets now at thecannabismarketingassociation.com to get your free entry to the CMA7's Marketing Awards.